everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff. Joining me from the Seattle-Tacoma Greater Regional Airport is none other than Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Man, this is great. I, I, I'm not used to recording the show so early in the morning. I'm almost awake, so this should be a good one. We are recording uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. And this show's not going to air for another week and a half because I'm going to go away for a little bit. But is, let's we'll keep the energy up. Keep it up. That's something I don't generally do in the morning, but uh, for our listeners, I'm all over it. Okay. <laughs> all right, so let's get right into it. Let's get into our BP segment. First of all, this is going to be since... We're, uh, this is our second show we're recording this week, and that uh, takes a lot of energy, as we just uh, mentioned. So this is going to be a Tales from the Dugout episode, number 19 of these that we've done, show number 129. Wow. It's it's a lot easier, I'll, t- I'll say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> all right, so that means we're going to do a whole bunch of just smaller, uh, more BP-like segments throughout. But let's actually start with some BP here so that we don't hurt ourselves this early in the morning couple of things happened uh, a little bit over a week ago I wanted to touch base on. First of all, Shohei Otani. I mean, this we could just talk about him every week, but he did something last week that was pretty cool. He stole a base while he was in the game as a pitcher. Now, the last American League pitcher to steal a base in a game where they were playing in a, under American League rules, believe it or not, was all the way back in July of 1988. So it's wow. been a good minute. But what cracks me up is who it was. It was Gene Nelson, my favorite reliever of all time. Gene Nelson, the relief pitcher, yes. stole the base? He's, he pinch ran for Don Baylor. I see. Well, this game went 16 innings. It was in Toronto, and the A's eventually won nine to eight. Wow! No, okay, sixteen innings. So we've got pitchers all over the place. Yeah, and it's it's weird that in a close game you would burn Gene Nelson like that. Yeah, that is maybe he had already pitched the previous couple games. Yeah, that that was a thought of mine too. Your boy Todd Burns got the win though. He came in four and two thirds innings of relief and got the win. Not a bad outing, Bertie. Yeah. Uh, so Eck blew it. An inning and two-thirds. That's a that's a long time to be in there. But he gave up an unearned run. That sent it to extra innings. Dave Parker got subbed for Don Baylor, who pinch hit for him. And then uh, Gene Nelson pinch ran, and he came around to score a run. That was the last time that a American League pitcher had stolen a base, which Otani did. Okay, so that was the last American League pitcher to steal a base in the DH era. Any idea who the last American League pitcher prior to the DH to steal a base, who that might have been? I have a guess. All right. Could it be Babe Ruth? No, no. I was expecting, whenever I ask you a question about pitching, your response should be Nolan Ryan? (laughs) because it was nolan ryan for the angels october 4th 1972 which believe it or not was the final regular season game before the dh took place that was the last day of the season 1972 and the dh took place in 1973 but it was nolan ryan no kidding yeah that's awesome do you know how many stolen bases nolan ryan had in his career I'm going to guess single digits. Uh, <laughs> Very single digits. 
I go with one. No, he actually had three. No kidding. Yeah, he had three. He got caught stealing three times as well. So not a great, great <laughs> percentage. <laughs> Why are you running, Nolan? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I did see uh, once he got caught stealing really badly, like he missed a sign or something, and they threw him out by a good... 10 feet and someone asked him after the game why he was running in that situation and he said hey man some of us always have the green light so <laughs> what can i say oh <laughs> uh, well that's a good story right there uh and and it leads me on to this next one another stolen base story so our pool holes just a, a week or so ago, became the first player age 40 or older to steal a base in both leagues in a single season since, can you guess who? Both leagues, single season. Okay, no, I can't. Well, <laughs> just like if I, if I ask you a question about pitchers, you say Nolan Ryan. If I ask you a question about stolen bases, you say... Oh, I'm kidding. Ricky Henderson. Yeah, our listeners are yelling at whatever device they're listening to us on. It's obviously <laughs> Ricky Henderson. <laughs> Ricky did it in, in 2000. Okay. Not quite as far back as the Nolan Ryan uh, and Gene Nelson, but still quite a, quite a ways back. Uh, I saw this. So we've, we've touched on this. Everybody, I, I think, whether you're a baseball fan or not, remembers the Willie Mays, you know, the catch over the shoulder, yes. incredible catch. Well, what cracked me up is the story after he made that out. The Giants brought in Marv Grissom to face the next batter. Giants pitcher Don Little was the guy that gave up that fly ball to Vic Wirtz. And so as Little's leaving the mound and Marv Grissom's there, he hands him the ball and he says, well, I got my man. <laughs> uh, another Question. Well, not so much question. We talked about the Guardians. Uh, we've talked about the Guardians a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. By the way, the uh, the Cleveland Guardians roller derby team is already suing Major League Baseball. So <laughs> we got that going oh, man. on. Oh <laughs> man! Oh, not another lawsuit. Yeah, uh, this franchise uh, that was known as the Indians for the past 107 seasons. So when they switch names to the Guardians next year, they're going to break the all-time record for the most consecutive years between changing team names. Not changing cities, wow. but team names. Never thought about that. Yeah, 1915 through, through 2021 will be 107 years. Get this, the next longest stretch... Of a of a team that had a name and then changed a different name was only eighteen years, and that's when the Brooklyn Robins became the Brooklyn Dodgers. Wow! So this is I, the the Indians. It, that's going to be the last time I ever say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cleveland. I mean, they have been that name for a very long time. The other longest named teams that then changed names the cleveland naps who we've talked about when they then became the team that shall no longer be named uh, they were 12 years they were the naps the tampa bay devil rays were 10 years before the uh, fire and brimstone crowd decided that you can't be the devil rays just be the rays and then of course the new york highlanders were only the highlanders for 10 years before they became the Yankees. Interesting. The 107 years. Pretty amazing. 
All right. This show is going to debut on August 10th. I've only got one debut I want to talk about. And it's because it's you, you kind of have to do this guy all on his own. Today, August 10th, 1981, Cal Ripken Jr. appeared in his very first Major League Baseball game. You've heard of him? He was, uh, I think, Bill Ripken's brother. Yeah, I think he was uh, He's Cal Ripken Sr.'s son, one of his sons. Not sure. We'll look it up. We'll circle back. Uh, circle back. <laughs> so, of course, the, the, the streak, a couple of things that happened during the streak. September 14th, 1987, Rip was replaced in the field in the top of the eighth inning by Ron Washington, which I thought was cool because I swear Ron Washington was already coaching and managing by the time Cal Ripken was wrapping up his career. The Iron Man had played in every inning of every game since June 5th, 1982. That's 8,264 consecutive innings, which easily surpassed the previous mark of 5,152 consecutive innings, which was set by George Pinckney. Wow. George Pinckney only played for 10 years in the big leagues. But uh, he led the league in games, obviously, and at bats. <laughs> he also led the league in walks. He played in the in the late 1800s. Wow. Yeah, I would have not guessed that somebody in the late 1800s would have, A, played 140-plus games a year. I didn't think their schedule was that long at that point. He uh, played for both... Uh, mainly, he played for the Brooklyn Grays, he also spent some time in uh, Louisville, the Colonels, the Browns, and uh, he came up with the Cleveland Blues. So he played with two different uh, teams named after colors. Oh, actually, he played for three, didn't he? The Blues. He played for the Reds. That would be no, that would be a bonus. He played for the Cleveland Blues, the Brooklyn Grays, and the St. Louis Browns. Now, oh, you're it, right. <laughs> I think we just came up with a trivia question. We're going to tuck away for a, down the road and see if anybody remembers. Is has anybody else played for a more teams named after colors? How serendipitous of this to come up right at the moment we need it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll look into that. September 6, 1995. I think anybody that was a baseball fan around this time remembers this. Rep played his 2,131st consecutive game, breaking the mark previously set by Lou Gehrig. January 9th, 2007, Cal appeared on 537 of the 545 Hall of Fame ballots submitted. Because, of course, there had to be a couple of chads out there who couldn't vote for Cal freaking Ripken on the first time he appears on the ballot because of reasons. Ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, that happens to everyone pretty much, and it's bizarre. I mean, even Griffey didn't get a couple votes, so. We're still only at one player, right? Isn't Rivera the only player that has still received 100%? I believe so. It's just, I mean, that's just stupid. Normally, we like to just do debuts, but I, I also had a, I, I like to look through the names of players who played their final game on this date, and... For some reason, August 10th was a day that a lot of guys ended their careers, and I'm not sure why. But listen to these names of guys that played their final games on August 10th of various years. Miguel Tejada, Mark Pryor, Kirk Gibson, Corey Snyder, Bo Jackson, Kent Herbeck, and Tom Brunanski. That's wow. a, that is a pretty good lineup right there. That's a lot of, a lot of power. 
Wow. I don't know why. They all ended their careers on, on August 10th of, of different years. It's kind of interesting to think back when Ripon's inning streak was broken. I believe his father was the manager of the team at that time. Yeah, he was. And there was some, I, I saw a quote from Bobby Bonds who was very, very <laughs> critical of Cal Ripken. And he, he said that he would have benched Ripken many times throughout this streak, not because of the streak or because of any reason other than when Ripken struggled, he needed to sit. And he never did until he took mm. himself out. Um, let's get into trivia, shall we? We talked, we talked last week about Pete Incaviglia and John Olrude. Uh, as a couple of the guys who went straight to the majors after being drafted. Since the MLB draft was instituted in 1965, there has only been one player that avoided the minors to start their career that was then inducted into the Hall of Fame. I, I feel like this is a, a very answerable one. Do you have an answer for us? I do. Um, I, think, I think I've got it. All right, lay it on us. You want me to say it yeah. or uh, you want me to just think it? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, was it Dave Winfield? You are absolutely correct. Dave Winfield went straight from college, from the University of Minnesota to the San Diego Padres. Of course, Dave Winfield, Hall of Famer. We love Dave Winfield. We've talked about him many times. Drafted by uh, two basketball leagues, the Atlanta Hawks of the NBA, the Utah Stars of the ABA. He was also drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in the 17th round of the NFL draft, though he never played college football. That's crazy. I mean, the guy was such a great athlete. Also played yeah. for the Alaska Gold Panners for two seasons and was the MVP. I mention that because did you know that the Alaska Gold Panners, they uh, broadcast all their games live on YouTube? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've I've been watching them this year. It's 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 very interesting. It's a it's a college league, you know, similar to to the uh, Cape Cod League and some of these other leagues. They use wood bats. They're just college kids. I love to watch games at Alaska's home field because there's dandelions in the outfield. Their infield is is astroturf that's gold. It's very interesting. It's, you know, it is a very low budget league. You know, they played last night and then they had to get on a bus. Their travel day today is they're driving down to Seattle. So that is a heck of a road trip for this team. But. Man, I guess. How, how great of an athlete do you have to be, though, to get drafted in a sport you never played in college? Yeah. Dave Winfield. My gosh. We've talked about it before. Winfield and a couple of other baseball players appeared on an episode of Married with Children during yes. the strike because they had during 1994, they had nothing else to do. So <laughs> I right? think they, they showed up in Bud's uh, bedroom, didn't they? Yes, that's right. Something like that. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> All right. So uh, that is the answer to uh, this week's trivia question, Dave Winfield. Since we are recording this before, the episode we asked this question on was even released. I can't give you the names of our listeners who got the answer right. So what we're going to do here, we're going to pause for a couple of seconds. And if you said Dave Winfield and got the answer right, just say your name out loud. All right. So congratulations to. You guys are great and very wise baseball minds. You did a great, great job. job, guys. Great job. <laughs> All right, here's our trivia question for this week. 
more stolen bases. I'm, I'm on a bit of a stolen base uh, high here lately. I don't know. Uh, Johnny Cueto, <laughs> pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, swiped his first career stolen base a couple of weeks ago. He was 35 years and 158 days old. Who collected their first career stolen base at the oldest age in Major League history? So it's not Nolan Ryan, because he stole three, but his third yeah. and final one was... He was only 10 years or so into his career. Who is the oldest player to steal their very first career base? I like this. I'm interested to see if anybody can come up with this one. This is a this is a tough one. All right. That's going to do it for our BP segment. Grounds crew, great job as usual. They're out there working hard. Let's get right into it. Tales from the Tales from the dugout. Mark, do you want to you want to go first? Sure, why not? I was uh, I was watching here a couple weeks ago. It's actually recent, more recent than that. But like you said, we're recording this early. When uh, Joey Votto hit home runs in seven consecutive games, and that that eighth game eluded him by a few inches. Did you see this? I did. Just missed. Just oh, missed. Oh my gosh! And Mr. Votto on an absolute tear right now, and you'd have to be to hit home runs in seven consecutive games. But that brings up. The question, who, who hit home runs in eight consecutive games? And you hear uh, a lot of the time you hear Ken Griffey Jr. Well, that's correct. It's also been done by Don Mattingly in 1987. And it was done originally by a guy named Dale Long of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'd never heard of Dale Long until 1987 when Mattingly yeah. was hitting all those home runs. And that's, that's, right. the, that's the first time I, I mean, there was no internet then. I, all I had was my baseball encyclopedia, but that was the first right. time I'd ever heard Dale Long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I remember I was at a uh, Tacoma, I think they were still the Tacoma twins or tigers. I don't remember. And I was pretty young and we had my uncle Don with me and my uncle Don was the walking baseball encyclopedia. And uh, the trivia question for the day was who hit home runs in eight consecutive games. And he turns to me and he goes, Dale Long. And I go, Dale Long, I never heard of Dale You're Long. Goes, Just up. write it down and turn it in. <laughs> and I won, so it was pretty cool. It's it's pretty interesting to look back a little bit on Dale Long has another connection to something we talk about on the show a lot. Uh, Dale Long actually became the first left-handed catcher in the majors since what? Jiggs Donahue. We talk about that all the time. Dale Long. We do. <laughs> new, new fan. New fan, Dale. Yeah, right? Isn't that great? I, <laughs> I saw that and I go, hey, he fits into our show doubly for this week, if doubly is a word. He is most famous for hitting the eight home runs in eight consecutive games between May 19th and May 28th, 1956. The previous mark, this is interesting, was not seven. It was six. So no one's ever hit seven consecutive until Votto. So, except to go on to eight. So, the previous mark of six was shared by Ken Williams in 1922, George Kelly, a.k.a. High Pockets in 1924, <laughs> Lou Gehrig did it in 31, Walker Cooper in 47, and Willie Mays in home runs in six consecutive games in 1955. The uh, stretch where he hit that, Dale Long hit those eight home runs, he uh, collected 15 total hits. He raised his batting average from 384 to 411. Wow. 17 runs batted in, and his batting average was still above 310 in June, and he got selected to the All-Star game. So he had it, it, he was on an absolute tear. He got traded to the Cubs later and hit 55 home runs for them in, in just over two seasons. And uh, he, this is where it gets kind of interesting. 
he's playing first base, right? And uh, they have to go in and, and make a change, and they need another catcher. Dale, you used to play catcher, right? Yeah, back when I was a kid or whatever. They stuck him in at, at catcher, and he played the rest of the game, the ninth inning. Um, he wore his first baseman's mitt. He didn't have a left-handed catcher's glove. <laughs> they didn't make him back then. <laughs> That's right. All in all, he only caught a total of one and two-thirds innings. He had one assist, no errors. It counts. It, it does count. It does count. And uh, he did allow a passed ball. Oh. Pretty frightening. I mean, can you believe that? There, so since that passed ball, there's been no left-handed catchers, yeah. obviously. Catch it. Lefties can't catch um, that's that about wraps it up. One more uh, record that uh, Dale Long tied was he hit back to back pinch hit home runs, which has been done a number of times. But, you know, what can I say? The guy liked to pop the ball at special moments. Nice. So Dale Long played for 10 years in the big leagues. He was a member of the uh, 1962 Yankees, which won the World Series. I wonder what happened in that World Series. Who was the MVP yeah. of that World Series? Geez, uh, some guy named Terry something. Yeah, boy, I, we need. I wish we would have known. We could have asked him about Dale Long, but uh, yeah, boy, he played for a lot of teams. He played Pittsburgh, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Senators, the Giants, and the Browns. Even he was uh, still came up in 1951 with the Pirates and was traded to the Browns in the middle of the season. But a 267 career lifetime average. Something in common with uh, Ryan Sandberg. In 1955, he led the league with 13 triples, which I say that just because he came nowhere close ever hitting that many triples ever again. Triples is a weird category because people will hit 15 and then one yeah. and then two. Uh, he was an all-star the next year in 1956 as well. Career OPS plus of 115. Not bad. It's fun to see there in 1958 in positions played, there is a two by his name as a left-handed throwing go. catcher. There you go. Now, just uh, just so I don't get caught again by our listeners, I did say that he hadn't caught since he was a little kid. Not true. 1951, a guy named Branch Rickey, who was the GM of the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, asked him, hey, why don't you try catching? And that experiment exa lasted exactly one game. Was that that wasn't in the majors, though, right? It was in the minors. It was um, it was in the minors. And it was with uh, let's see, he was with the St. Louis Browns. Before, and then in 51, he went to the Pirates. In 51, if it was in the minors, it would have been San Francisco, the Seals that we just talked about with Joe DiMaggio. It's interesting. It may be because he says during, it says during his first spring training, during his spring training with the 51 Pirates, he was convinced to try catching by Branch Rickey. So I'm not sure. Well, in 51, listed on baseball reference, the only team he played for in the minors was the Seals. Hmm. So, huh, very, it's, it's Interesting. really cool how as we get deeper and deeper into baseball history, a lot of these things kind of uh, intersect left-handed hitting catchers. We just talked about the seals. Yeah, well, that's Dale Long for you. And uh, a little bit, a little bit to know about a guy who uh, maybe didn't have the biggest name, but definitely contributed to, to baseball history. Uh, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to go back a little bit further. I wanted to go back to just the early 1900s in a crazy crazy game if you will let's go back to june 9th 1906 pirates at the phillies top of the eighth inning the phillies are up one to nothing 
The two teams have already played through a rain shower and they're trying to get the game in, but it's it's getting light now. This is, of course, in 1906, so there are no lights. So things needed to be wrapped up before the sunset. Well, the Pirates' first two batters reached base via errors in the top of the eighth. Togi Pittenger was on the bump for the Phillies. Togi. I love the name. Yeah, I'll get into the name. Trust me, I'm... I'm not going to let Togi Pittenger go by without getting into Togi Pittenger. But let's talk about the game first. (laughs) So he uncorks a wild pitch that moves the runners to second and third. And then he gives up a single, which scores one run and ties the game. The next batter was Honus Wagner. Probably heard of him. He singled to give the Pirates the lead. It was hinted in a couple of newspaper articles about the game that the darkness had led to most of these miscues like the wild pitch and just pitches right down the middle. Well, Togi had had enough. After all, his name was Togi, and that's got a way on a guy as it is. So he's probably already surly, but now he's mad. And when home plate umpire, who happened to be Hall of Fame umpire, Bill Clem, made no move to end this game due to darkness, Pittenger hit the next two batters on purpose. Clem, nothing. Still just, all right, next batter. So bases are now loaded, and the Phillies are trailing three to one. He actually tries to get the next batter out, and there's a comebacker. He fields it. He's thinking double play, but instead he bobbles the ball, and everybody's safe. Next batter, again, tries to get him out, gives up a double. Well, Togi had had enough. He hits the next batter commits an obviously intentional balk and that balk though finally got clem's attention clem was like all right you're making a mockery of this game now that balk did it <laughs> like the the hitting the batters and and all this other stuff now it's okay regardless another pitcher comes in john mccloskey now mccloskey though he had Togi's back because he's a good teammate he tried three times unsuccessfully to hit the first Pirates battery faced. Now, I'm not sure if at this point if it was just too dark to see the batter or if he just wasn't good and could not hit a batter. Whatever it was, Clem tossed McCloskey to and then ruled the game a forfeit by the Phillies. Hold on. You're telling me they played this game into the deep dark of night and it took that to get the- Yeah. <laughs> He's okay, okay but you can't see. It's when you try to hit a batter three times in a row and you can't. <laughs> That's the tipping That's, point. That, that obviously shows that you just have no idea. You're marker, making a mockery of the game. <laughs> so, uh, as I said, game forfeited. Phillies are going to get the win 9 to nothing. Isn't that the forfeited score, 9-0? Yes, it is, yep. Fans showered Clem with seat cushions and bottles. <laughs> Probably some glass mugs. We've talked about <laughs> that's what they served drinks in at that point. Uh, Honus Wagner eventually helped Clem off the field using a bat to knock away objects that were being thrown at him. So by now, <laughs> I'm over the game and I'm a little obsessed with Togi and I want more. That's how it works here. Charles Reno Pittenger. In 1903, he led the league in losses with 22, but that was not it. He also led the National League in earned runs given up with 136, home runs with 12, walks with 143, and this was the middle season of three seasons in a row of leading the league in free passes. But the most impressive stat here was he led the league in hits given up with 396 in 351 innings. 
Wow. That is a thing. <laughs> Definitely. That is a thing. Uh, let's see here. His uh, whip for that year was 1.533. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For, a, for that many innings, that had to kill the team. Yeah, he... he he pitched in 44 games, started 39. He did get a save. He completed 35, three of which were shutouts. Get this, his ERA for the year was 3.48. I don't know how you give up 136 runs, earned runs, and your whip is 1.533, and you <laughs> you have an ERA under four. And, and you tossed three shutouts, really? Yeah. So wow. get this, get this though. So he went 18 and 22 that year, right? 1904, the next year, he goes 15 and 21. But, and again, leads the league in walks. He gave up in 335 and a third innings. He gave up one home run the entire year. Oh my God. His home runs per nine was 0.0. <laughs> and he ended up with an ERA of 2.66. What? He, <laughs> so, an enigma. I mean, his defense was awful behind him. So sure. in, in 1904, when he gave up that one home run, he allowed 149 runs, only 99 of which were earned. The year before that we're talking about, when he led the league in 136 earned runs given up, total he gave up 205 runs. So, I mean, there's uh, some bad defense. For his career, he went 115 and 113 with a 310 ERA. Not bad. His whip was 1.348, which is still pretty high. But looking yeah. at, he gave up 702 earned runs, 985 runs total. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's crazy. Some Just some weird numbers to look at there. Now, let's go a little bit further, though, into Togi. One more thing about Togi. So I wanted to know what the heck this means. Who, who, how does somebody named Charles Renault or Reno Pittenger, how do you come up with Togi? Well, the uh, Urban Dictionary, which is on the Internet, so this must be true, defines Togi as lint between your toes left over from socks. So essentially toe boogers is what we're looking at here. Now, the actual real Dictionary lists one of the definitions of togi as a line drive in the game of baseball, which certainly makes much more sense than a toe booger is how you yes, get this. He was, you're saying most likely he wasn't named after the sock lint, yeah. more, more so the baseball term. Yeah, and it's you know probably not a nickname that as a pitcher you would really want. <laughs> I, I, frankly, I don't think it's a nickname you want, period. But it, well, if you're a hitter, maybe. You know, if you just hit line drives, then maybe yes. you want to be named Togi. So, uh, I thought that was a pretty cool story about uh, Charles Renault. I, for, I'm trying to make him French, like Jean Renault. I'm just Charles <laughs> Reno Pittenger. Well, see, we're, and, and years later, when you think he's never going to be mentioned again, Two Strike Noise digs up a story, and Togi, Togi gets a little bit of attention. He should be in that nickname Hall of Fame for Togi. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so there you go. Just a couple of quick uh, quick stories there about Togi and Dale Long that uh, 
I had not heard before, so hopefully they were new to you as well. That is going to wrap up the main tales part of our Tales from the Dugout. But fear not, we're not done yet. We're not going anywhere. We still have one segment left, and that segment is everybody's favorite. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull the Wax Pack Hero! All right, Mark, we are into week three of season number three. We are tied up at one win apiece, and we've got uh, an interesting one this week. I have got two packs of 1986 Fleers. Ooh. We haven't gone back this far for quite a while. No. 86 for a while. Let's see who we get here. Uh, if you're new here, we've got a couple of rules that we go by here. We're going to open these packs. We are going to score each card by the baseball reference war of the year of the pack. So in this case, each player's 1986 war. A couple of modifiers to uh, add or subtract to our score. If they are wearing anything around their eyes, that means sunglasses, flip downs. If they're blindfolded for some reason, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing real stirrups, which we can see, if we can see some sanitaries underneath it, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, which I am going to go out on a limb and say we're not going to find in a pack from 1986, you're going to minus a tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or a caricature of themselves on it, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If they've won any sort of award that year, Cy Young, MVP, Rookie of the Year, if they were an all-star or won a gold glove, you're going to get an extra tenth of you're going to get an extra half a point of war. If they are now in the Hall of Fame, you're going to get a whole extra point of war. And we are each going to pick a team as well. If we pull a player that is on that team, we're going to get an extra half a point of war. If we pull a player from the other's team, we are going to minus a half a point of war, and we can't pick the same team over and over again. So, Mark, I'm going to uh, have you name your team for this week. Who's it going to be? It's going to be the Chicago White Sox. Okay. All right. Well, if you're going with the White Sox, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Cubs. Fair enough. All right. So let's get into this. I've got these two packs here, one on my left, one on my right hand. I'm going to let you choose which pack you want. A couple. Uh, uh, there's a couple cards in this set that uh, are pretty solid cards that we might be looking for. Uh, the Cecil Fielder, Corey Snyder, dual rookie. Oh. And the Eric Plunk and some guy named Jose Canseco, dual rookie. Mm. And I believe there's a Barry Bonds, but it might be in the traded, so I'm not sure. Corey Snyder. Retired. Yes. Today. Did he? It's the anniversary. Yeah, we named him in our in our last nice. last games. So you pull that Corey, man. It's a special uh, day for two strike noise. Let me tell you. I don't yeah. know why, but it would be. All right. Do you want the one on my left or my right hand? Right hand, please. Right hand. All right. Well, I'm going to give you. I'm going to break protocol here, and I'm going to give you the option. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go last? Oh boy, that's a tough call. Um, let's uh, let's have you go last. All right, <laughs> good good enough for me. All right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and open up this pack of 1986 Fleers. Now you've got uh, some stickers here. I like it. It's the Milwaukee Brewers, and it's the original you know glove with the M and the B. The M B. Yeah, yeah. It's a good cool. looking one. Oh wow, wow. So this is a great card to start with. I'm I'm a little jealous. You're starting out with a Cardinal. It's Jack Clark. Power hitting, real strong St. Louis Cardinal, first baseman. Jack the Ripper. Yeah. So let's see, in 1986, he was hurt. 
<laughs> Unfortunately Good. for you, you look at this, he's all-star, he's getting MVP votes. Every year, except for 86, he only appeared in 65 games, only hit nine home runs, and ended up with a 116 OPS+. plus. That equates to a war of 1.6. And uh, unfortunately, he's posing here at the batting cage, so there's nothing that's going to get you any extra points there. But uh, you do start with a, a positive number, which is good. Even worse. Wow. So Jack Clark apparently had, <laughs> he did not enjoy his time in San Diego when he was with the Padres. First of all, he was happy to leave the Yankees. He said regarding the American League, I hate that damn league. Every game lasts three and a half to four hours. No wonder fans are bored over there. <laughs> But when he was with the Padres, he feuded with Tony Gwynn, apparently. Good choice. Clark called Gwynn selfish and uh, said that Gwynn should be swinging with runners in scoring position instead of bunting and trying to protect his batting average. He said no one bothers Tony Gwynn because he wins batting titles, but the Padres finish fourth or fifth every year. Wow. Oosh. I mean, if that's a snake, if, if that's a fight you want to pick, I guess go ahead, but... He also called his manager a bad, bad man. He's sneaky. He's a snake. Well, not just a snake, but a snake. Wow. Uh, I guess. <laughs> Go you, you again. Each their own. I, I'm a little surprised at that, but okay. Yeah, I mean, remember, we did talk about this before. He, he also hosted a, a radio talk show in St. Louis where he accused Albert Pujols with no proof of uh, being a PED user. Brother, and uh, was, jack, jack, jack. he was sued and eventually had to apologize. <laughs> All right, next you have got a guy here. He is with the Bucks, but we know him probably best for well for being on the Bucks and then the Braves, but uh, intertwined quite a bit during the late '80s. It is Sid Bream, noted speedster. Wow, it's been a while since I talked about Sid Bream. Pirates player, first baseman, uh, lefty, I think. Yep, bats, bats left, throws left. Came up with the Dodgers. I did not know that. He spent okay. two and a half years in L.A. Then in Pittsburgh, he was there for six years. Of course, that was during the Bonds, Benia, Drabeck, you know, all those great teams. And then uh, he went to the Atlanta Hammers for a couple of years. And, you know, of course, they were good then. In 1986, it was his first full year in Pittsburgh. Had a pretty good year. Hit 268. 16 home runs. Get this, 13 stolen bases for Sid Bream. I'm assuming he wasn't wearing that 18-pound knee brace at that point that I remember him. Uh, he was also caught seven times, though. So mm. not a great percentage. But that equates to a war of 2.8. Nothing else on his cards can help you out. He's got a mustache, but we're not playing that game anymore. So you were going to get a 2.8 on that. That'll bring you up to 4.4. All right, your next card. You've got a good pack here of some good names because this next guy we talked about just last week, known prankster, Larry Anderson. Oh, yes. That's Anderson with the E-N, not O-N, yes, by the way, folks. He is uh, very Swedish, Larry Anderson, otherwise known as Mr. Jello. We, I think we polled him just a little while ago. Of course, we talk about Larry. I think we talk about Larry Anderson every other week. Maybe more. So too. <laughs> he's going to have to go into the uh, two-strike noise hall of fame. Yeah. And I think uh, he's definitely going to be nominated. 1986, though, was his first year in Houston. A 2.78 ERA in 38 games. Not bad there for Mr. Anderson. And an ERA plus of 129. That equals a war of 0.9. Uh, nothing on this card is going to get you anything else. He did not get any awards this year. This is a good card, though. I mean, he's got a good mustache, but he's still in a Phillies uniform. And he is wearing the Phillies uniform that, would, that had the zipper in front instead of buttons. <laughs> 
Oh boy, yeah, that's a nice throwback. Yeah, I forgot he was a Philly before uh, 87, 88. I forgot about that. Of his of his seventeen years in the big leagues, six of them were spent in Philadelphia. Uh, it oh. was there for quite a while. Now this is a bit dangerous, though this zipper because uh, the, he's got a lot of chest lettuce sticking out, and mm. that has got to he has to very carefully zip that up every game. I'm I'm just yeah out of experience. I'm telling you, he's got yes. it's taken him a little bit longer to to, to zip that jersey up than. Some others. You don't want to take liberties with uh, a <laughs> You don't want to do that quick, yeah. All right, next, you've got a really good player. He is definitely in the hall of very, very good. Here he is with the Tigers. It is Daryl Evans. Oh, yeah. You used to hear his name mentioned uh, in Hall of Fame talk once in a while. I think um, he had a lot of power, if I remember right. Yeah, Daryl Evans uh, even led the league once in 1985. One year off of what you were looking for, he led the league with 40 home runs. He hit 414 over his 21 years in the big leagues. He debuted in 1969. That's pretty incredible. Oh, my gosh. Led the league in walks several times. Um, was an all-star twice, but uh, not in 1986. He did receive MVP votes the year before and after 86. In 86, he hit 241, a 116 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 3.3. I'll take that. Evan's also known for having a good eye, I believe. Yeah, he led the league in walks a couple of times. Uh, also nicknamed Howdy Doody, which when you look at his <laughs> pictures, you can kind of see where that came from. He's got some ears sticking out, and he's kind of got a face that resembles Howdy Doody. Uh, this goes back a couple of episodes from 2005 to 2007. He managed the Long Beach Armada of the Golden Baseball League. Oh, nice. Now, this is right up our alley, though. Evans and his wife, LaDonna, in 1984, revealed that two years earlier, they had seen a UFO from the porch of their house in Pleasanton, California. Oh, there you go. There you go. Now you have it. He described the UFO hovering over their neighbor's house as appearing like a flying wing, triangular in shape, with no wings. How could it be like a flying wing if it had no wings? Uh, with green <laughs> and red lights on the side and white lights on the back. I think he was seeing Santa's sleigh. They're coming. They were trying to find Daryl Evans' house, but they missed by one, apparently. They wanted an autograph. 8.6, you are at. Your next card is a guy we've talked about many times before because he had great hair and he wore his uniform like a boss. It is Juan Samuel. Oh, yeah. Juan Samuel, a uh, long time, what, second baseman for the Phillies? Yes, second baseman for the Phillies. Yeah, he and Steve Jeltz were quite the, uh, the double right. play combo there in Philly for a while. Uh, let's see, in 1986, he was uh, still in Philadelphia. Not a bad year. He led, the league in he led the league in strikeouts four consecutive years to start out his career. But he did hit 266, 16 home runs, 42 stolen bases. He ended up with 396 stolen bases. That's a lot. Wow. 102 OPS plus, and that will get you a war of 3.0. Awesome. Nothing else on this card, though, is going to get you anything else. That'll bring you up to 11.6. One, of course, from San Pedro de Macari in the Dominican. Well, that's why he led the league in strikeouts, because you can't walk off the island. That's right. That's right. And, and he is actually, oh, look at this. He is one of the guys that was originally credited with saying, you don't walk off the island, you hit. There you go. <laughs> All right. Next, you've got a pitcher for those great mid-80s Atlanta teams. So I am saying this facetiously, Rick Mailer. Rick Junk Mailer. <laughs> Let's see. Rick Mailer, he was a member of the 1990 Cincinnati team. Hmm. He got a ring. Uh, let's see, in 1986, he led the league in losses, so that bodes really well for you. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing this number. Uh, also led the league in hits uh, given up and earned runs surrendered with a 4.22 FIP and an 81 ERA+. Plus. That still equates to a positive 1.0. So you're in the positive oh. there. That's uh, weird. And I, let's see, that'll bring you up to 12.6. All right, next you've got a Hall of Famer. Woohoo! This is a good one. You got hard-hitting Rod Carew. Oh, man, you got to love Rod Carew. One of the all-time greats, man. Rod Carew recently joined Twitter, by the way. And no kidding. A, yeah, he's a very good follow. He, he'll answer questions. He posts a lot of things about his career. Uh, just He's a really good Twitter follow if, if you're not following him. But uh, he is a Hall of Famer, Rookie of the Year, League MVP, 18-time All-Star, won a batting title seven different times. Uh, unfortunately for you, though, 1985 was his final year in the big leagues. In 1985, he collected his 3,000th career hit. And then after the season said, that's good enough for me. <laughs> Hall of Famer, what a great career. Lifetime 328 hitter, an on-base career average of 393, and a lifetime OPS plus of 131. Yeah, you gotta love Roger Brew, man. The guy was just, just all around. You couldn't slow him down, you couldn't stop him. No, you, you couldn't slow him down because he stole 353 bases in his career too. That's right. So you're going to get one whole point there because he is a Hall of Famer. That'll bring you I'll up. I'll take to, it, Rod. Yeah, that'll bring you up to 13.6. <laughs> so apparently there was some confusion over whether or not Rod Carew ever actually converted to Judaism. We're not going to go into that. But I do want to mention that he was name checked in a very famous song by Adam Sandler, the Hanukkah song. Yes. That's right. <laughs> In which he he uh, he was uh, part of the line that said, O.J. Simpson, not a Jew, but guess who That's is? Right. Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. That's right. <laughs> Carew actually later wrote a note to Sandler explaining the situation. But he did say that the uh, he thought the song was pretty funny. That's good. All right, next. Wow, you have got a really good pack here. Another one of those guys in the hall of very, very good. It's Dewey Evans. Dwight Evans. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, definitely somebody that's way up there. This, if, if you put your team together on the field here, I think you would have a heck of a team. These are some, some really good names. Dewey Evans, eight-time Gold Glove winner, three-time All-Star, two Silver Sluggers. In 1986, though, he won none of those. But he did go to the World Series on that year with the Red Sox against the Mets. Hit 250, uh, hit 259 for the year, 131 OPS plus, and that equals a WAR of 4.4. Yes. Now, if we were giving mustache points, still you would get a full point oh. for this, but we are well, not unfortunately. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so that'll get you 4.4 though, and that will bring you up to 18 even. Dwight Evans, 20-year major league career, um, 19 of them with the Boston Red Sox. Evans also won eight gold gloves, so he was all around, man. You couldn't stop him. Do you remember this? Uh, in 2011, Evans appeared in the Fairley Brothers film Hall Pass, which I remember I that movie. I remember the movie, but I remember only seeing it once. Now I'm going to have to go revisit it. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. All right, next you have got uh, a Cleveland Guardians player. Uh, one I, I like this guy when he was in Cleveland and with the Yankees. It's Mel Hall. Oh, yeah, one of the best hairdos yeah. in the history of, of baseball. Shaved the side and, and way before anybody else was doing it. Yeah, also had some good jerry curls uh, going on at different points in his career. Uh, let's see, Mel Hall played for 13 years in the big leagues. Most of it was with Cleveland. Also four years with the Cubs, four with the Yankees, and then uh, his final year he played a little bit with the Giants. In 1986 in Cleveland, 
had a pretty decent year. Hit 296, a 128 OPS plus, 18 home runs, and 77 RBI. All that equates to a war of 1.7. I'll take that. Yeah, not bad. Nothing else on this card is going to help you. No awards to speak of. That'll bring you up to 19.7 for your total. Okay, your next pitcher, this guy's got some stuff we can talk about. Here he is pictured with the Padres. It's Dave Dravecki. We haven't talked about him much, and he was he was an amazing. Uh, had a lot of stuff going on with Dave Dravecki. Some not great stuff with his arm, unfortunately. Yeah, I remember the arm snap. That was yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's scary. That was one of the most gruesome things I've seen on on a baseball field well 1986 was his final full year with san diego who he came up with he went 9 and 11 but a 3.07 era an era plus of 119 for his career eight years in the big league 64 and 57 with a 3.13 era not bad the highest era he had in his career for a entire season was 3.46 wow uh, no bad, check that 3.58 not much <laughs> like that's that is really good all of this equates to a war of 2.5 for you, and he does have real stirrups. One of the few cards we've seen here with, uh, with actual game action. And and let me let me correct myself. In your Rod Carew picture, he has got real stirrups on there. So I don't want to shortchange you there. So I'm going to give you two tenths of a point extra here for Rod Carew or for uh, Dave Dravecki to make up for that. So that'll get you up to 2.7. A little that. bit about Dravecki. He actually had cancer in his throwing arm, which he, uh, is. It's crazy when you think you don't hear a lot about arm cancer and it happens to a pitcher on his throwing arm. Dravecki, of course, defeated that. He's actually, I believe he had to have the arm amputated. Yes, you're correct. After uh, after he broke it while throwing a pitch to, to Tim Raines was the batter and his humorous bone snapped. Could be heard throughout the stadium. He collapsed. It was a clean break midway through his shoulder and elbow ended his season. That was always tough. Went on to become a motivational speaker. I know I've seen him several times, but uh, Dave Dravecki, helping you out there. Next, first baseman for the Chicago White Sox. This is your team. This is who you picked. So right off the bat, you've got an extra half a point of war. He's also wearing real stirrups. So good. I'm not sure how much else you're going to get, though, for Greg Walker. Greg Walker, of course, Um, (laughs) the baseball player from the Chicago White Sox in uh, 1986. We'll get this in 1985. He led the league in games played with 163. Wow. How'd you pull that one off, Dave or Greg? I mean, (laughs) I already forgot his name. (laughs) The the old playoff uh, tiebreaker game. 1986, though, he hit 277, 13 home runs, 51 RBI, a 122 OPS plus. That is not too bad. And a war of 1.9. Wow. Mr. Walker helping you out there. He is a White Sox, so that'll bring you up to 2.4. And the real stirrups get you a 2.5 for Greg Walker. Wow, from Greg Walker. Walker, cousin of Harry Spillman as well. Oh, the uh, senator from, oh, wait, no, that's someone else. Never mind. All right, you got a couple of cards left here. Now, you go from a White Sox, you go to a Cub, which is my team for this week. Oh, ouch. (laughs) And outfielder Gary Woods. Of course. Oh, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> also a baseball player. Yes. Who played for the Cubs. Yeah. So you're a minus half a point of war right off, right out of the gate there. Now, also uh, 85 was Gary's last year in the big leagues. So you're going to take a hit here of just a minus wow. 0.5 there. Uh, he's got a good mustache, but we're not, we're not doing that uh, anymore. Gary Woods came up with Oakland in 76. Spent a couple years in Toronto, four years of his nine-year career with the Cubs. 
not uh, not a whole lot going on there. I'm going to guess uh, that uh, if we look at his career war, oh, his career war was 0.4. So he was a little bit above average, but really nothing going on there. All right. Uh, next, you have got a guy with some hair. Wow. He's got a lot of hair. It is pitcher for the Orioles, Sammy Stewart. Wow, this is we're in a streak of guys I barely remember. Yeah, so you went from some great cards to start off to some uh, less than great cards. But Sammy Stewart, yeah. this is great. He's got a lot of curly hair, but he's also got a receding hairline. So <laughs> you can imagine what that looks like. He also has a bushy mustache and uh, is a member like I am of the Bushy Eyebrows Club. Uh, yes. The thing about this guy, uh, Sammy Stewart, is if you if you know those funny nose glasses you can yep, buy that yep. have the glasses and everything, that's what he looks like normally. Yeah. And, you know, if he had glasses on, he would get extra points because, you know, those count. But no, no glasses here. 1986 uh, was his first and only year with the Red Sox, his first year after Baltimore. He went four and one with a 4.38 ERA, an ERA plus of 96. And that equates to a war of 0.3. At least it wasn't negative. Yeah, you're not going to get anything else there. He did lead the league in 1981 with a 2.32 ERA, but that was only in 29 games. I see. <laughs> so, if we were still doing the mustache thing, I believe Sammy Stewart has a 2.5 point mustache. You know, not in this card, but in some of these other pictures I am looking, yes. Now That thing was massive. His nickname was the Throwin' Swan Noen, which... I am not, I don't really understand. So I know who the throw in Samoan was. He was a quarterback, Jack Thompson. And I only know that because he went to Washington State. I don't know why the throwing Swanoan, where that comes from. I don't see anything here where he grew up somewhere that had Swan in its name or anything like that. All right, you got two cards left here. Your second to last is outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. Good news for you. Luis Salazar. Luis Salad Bar. <laughs> Salazar was a uh, third baseman. He's listed as an outfielder here. He did play third base, though. Uh, unfortunately for you, in 1986, he appeared in four games, only as a designated hitter. Right. And uh, had a war of 0, 0.0, but of course he's on the White Sox. So just like last time, you are going to get at least half a point of war. So I got that going for me. Yeah, 13 years in the big leagues. Uh, pretty much your average baseball player, although he ended up with a career war of 9.0. Oh, wow. Currently the manager of the single-A Florida Fire Frogs. Well, the Fire Frogs, sure. Yeah. Hey, he's, he's working. I'm happy for him. Good for him. All right, so your final card is, oh, boy, this is a good card. You're going to get, first of all, points for real stirrups because he's definitely got some real stirrups here. Uh, it's a great action picture from spring training. It is one of our favorites to talk about his nicknames. It is Old Penitentiary Face or Correctional <laughs> Facility Face, as he liked to go by. It's Jeffrey Leonard. Here, it's just it's just Jeff Leonard, though. Yes. Oh, oh you see, he was known as Jeffrey. Don't call me Jeff Leonard. <laughs> well, this card must have really irked him, though, because it says Jeff Leonard. He must not have liked that, yeah. yeah. He probably gave it one flap down. <laughs> the old hack man, yep, one flap down. 1986 in the uh, Giants uniform, was hurt a bit this year. He hit 279, only six home runs, an OPS plus of 99. And that equates to a war of 1.5, but he does have real stirrups on. So you'll get a 1.6 there, and that will bring your grand total to 26.8. 
All right. All right. Not a not a bad total. Jeffrey Leonard, we've talked about him plenty in the past. We won't go too in-depth here. Ended up with a 1,000 career strikeouts right on the nose. I like to think that uh, in 1990, his final year, he got that 1,000th strikeout, and then he hung it up right after that. Reached his goal. That's it. He went, I'm good. <laughs> I am done. I hit it. I'm out of here. <laughs> All right. So you have got uh, 26.8. You had a good pack. That was a fun pack. That wasn't bad. Yeah. Let's open up mine here and see what I can counter with. Can my Lots team... of White Sox. Lots and lots. Yeah. My team is the Cubs. Yours is the White Sox. I got some Philly stickers here, which is not bad because it's that P with the ball logo in the middle. All right, we're going to start out with somebody here that we have talked about many times. Here he is jumping over a cub sliding into second base at Wrigley Field. It is Steve Alto Sachs. Oh, yeah, Steve Sachs, also a, a bit of a prankster, I believe. I think he was in on some of those Dodgers, yeah, that we, that we talked about with Jerry Royce and, and that group. Let's see, in 1986, he was with the Dodgers, led the league in plate appearances. Get this, he was an all-star that year, so that's going to help me out. Hit 332. Wow. In 157 games, he hit 332, an on base of 390, and a 137 OPS plus. Stole 40 bases, walked 59 times as opposed to the 58 times he struck out. For his career, he walked 556 times and only struck out 584. That's pretty impressive. Wow. In 1986, a 4.8 war. I'll take that all day. Wow. Plus, he, yeah, was, he was an all-star, so I'll get half a point there, and he's got real stirrups. That'll, that'll start me off with a 5.4. Wow. That's a good card. A little, little story on uh, Steve Sachs. He did have a bit of a time where he was having trouble throwing the ball, even with routine plays. And there's a great quote here. Uh, after uh, Pedro Guerrero, his teammate on the Dodgers, made some really bad. Pedro was not known for his defense, let's put it that way. <laughs> he made a few errors, and uh, the postgame, uh, Tommy Lasorda went up to him and said, what are you thinking out there? Guerrero said two things. Well, what's the first thing? God, don't let them hit the ball to me. And Lasorda said, what's the second thing? Don't let them hit the ball to Steve. <laughs> you know what? So he had the gips, right? But in 1989, he got over it and led the American League in both fielding percentage and double plays turned. That's outstanding. That's really cool to know. Um, famously said that he did not and he would not speak to any player who crossed the picket line during the 94-95 Major League Baseball strike. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, also was uh, made several cameos in TV. Of course, he was in the Homer at the Bat Simpsons episode. Yes. Also appeared on episodes of Square Pegs, Who's the Boss, Hollywood Squares, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Which we were all on at one point or another. I remember your episode, Jeff. Yes, that's when uh, Melissa Jonah Hart and I were dating uh, briefly. That's right. That's right. It wasn't that brief, so you guys had it going on for a while. while. You know, she's got a New York Yankees logo tattooed uh, on her neck. The back of her neck. That's a, it's not like a. That's a it's not like a Felix Hernandez neck tattoo, you know, that right. is very easily seen in large. But she's got a small one uh, on the back of her neck, which you would only know oh. if you dated her for a short time. That's a fan, though. That's a fan. All right, so uh, I'm off to a good start there. Next, we've got pitcher for the Astros, Jeff Heathcock. <laughs> and I'm laughing at his name. I right? remember Jeff Heathcock. I don't know if anybody else will. Well, short career um, up and down with the Astros, I believe. Yeah. All uh, four years in the big leagues, all of it with the Astros end up nine and nine career wise with a 3.76 ERA. Unfortunately, 
there are some gaps in his big league career, <laughs> one of which was 1986. <laughs> yes. I'm going to enjoy saying his last name, but that's yeah, really great. all there is there. And uh, I'm going to get no value from that. So that's a, that's a dot ball for me there. Next, I have got Wimpy here with the uh, with the New York Mets. I don't believe we've ever pulled a Tom Pachoric card. We've talked about him many times, but I don't think we've ever pulled one of his cards. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Pachoric was a Mariner at one point. Yeah, he was for four years. He was uh, 78 through 81. He was even an all-star. His one all-star appearance was with Seattle. In 86, though, he was winding down his career at age 39. He played until he was 40. Wow. He hit 286 this year. No kidding. OPS plus of only 83. And that equates to a war of minus 0.4. Ouch. That's not good, Tom. Sorry to hear that, man. Nickname Wimpy. Wimpy. You know why he got that nickname? No, I don't. Why? Lasorda gave it to him after he saw him choke down like a double steak dinner and a cheeseburger. <laughs> okay. I'm sure Tommy yeah. could put away food on his own. So it's... <laughs> Tommy Lasagna, they don't call him that for nothing. <laughs> All right. So that takes me down to five point. Even next, I have got third baseman for the Astros with no mustache. He looks kind of weird. It's scrap iron. Phil Garner. Gotta love him. I know Phil Garner spent some time with the A's as well and the Brewers. Mm-hmm. I remember him, of course, as an Astro. Yeah, well, yeah I guess I, when I say Brewers, I guess he was only their manager. He never actually played in Milwaukee. Seven years with Houston, five with the Bucks, Oakland for four, who he came up with, and then the Dodgers and the Giants. In 86, he was 37 years old. I've got, the, I've got like the old geriatric team here. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Still played quite a bit. Hit 265, 41 RBI, 107 OPS plus, And that equals a 1.5 war and nothing else that's going to help me out. Phil Garner, uh, you know how some players have certain uh, characters or fictional characters they associate with? Like we talked to Chris Snelling and he associates with Yoda. Phil <laughs> Garner, big, big fan of Yosemite Sam. Uh, is that why he grew the mustache the way he did? I think so. So I, can you hear him just going, oh, I hate that ball. You know, something like that. <laughs> Uh, Phil Garner in 1978 hit grand slams in back-to-back games. That's good. Wow. That helped that pass the old RBI stat. Next, we've got uh, another guy. This guy played for a long time, and he's got stirrups on in this picture, so that's good. I believe we've talked about him before uh, as well. Brian Downing here with the California Angels. 10 Downing Street. One of my favorites uh, of that era, actually. Always wore good glasses, but he's, he's not in this picture, unfortunately. Also known as the Incredible Hulk. He was uh, 5'10", 170. Those are not the dimensions that I think of Brian Downing, nor somebody that would be called the Incredible Hulk. True, this is true. I think those, I think those might be a little bit off. Uh, let's see, 1986 with the Angels, hit 267, had 20 home runs, 95 RBI, a 130 OPS plus, and that equates a 4.4 war, plus wow. I'm going to get a tenth of a point for the stirrup, so that'll be a 4.5. Not bad. That'll take me up to 11, even. Okay, my next card, a picture for the Cardinals. I vaguely remember this guy. His picture, though, is off-center. There's uh, much more of his left shoulder than his right or his head, but it's Ricky Horton for the Cardinals. The uh, front man for Cheap Trick. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of something else, somebody else. I think this is, uh, didn't Dr. Seuss write a book about Ricky Horton? Yes, he heard something or other. That's correct. Ricky Horton, uh, member of the 88 Dodgers. A lot of guys beat my A's in the World Series that we've pulled today. 
1986, though, he was with the Cardinals, went 4-3. and three. Boy, a 2.24 ERA in 42 games. He had three saves and an ERA plus of 163. That equates wow. to a war of 2.9. Wow. I didn't expect that. I did not either, but I'll take it. No, nothing else is going to help me on this card. Had a seven-year career, 32 and 27, 3.76 career ERA. Uh, not a whole lot of strikeouts, but uh, it seems like he had some pretty good years here. Something interesting, uh, his first major league hit came off of Nolan Ryan. Just thought I'd point that out. Wow, that's uh, if you, especially if you're a relief pitcher, that's got to be an accomplishment. I'm kidding. It looks like he now does Cardinal games on the radio. Yeah, and uh, I, I did see that. And this is interesting. Briefly appeared in the film Field of Dreams, shown pitching for the White Sox in a scene huh. where Ray Kinsella's young daughter is watching baseball on television. Interesting. Why would they pick a highlight of Ricky Horton pitching to uh, to to be that part of the game they show, I wonder? Don't know, man. Maybe he's got a cousin in the editing department. <laughs> he knew somebody at the studio. All right. <laughs> Next, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know who this is. It's a pitcher for the Royals, Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Okay, well, it's a very unique name, so it'll be easy to pinpoint. Yeah, and Mike Jones, the rapper, is the first person when you Google anybody that's going to come up. He's a big dude, which I can tell here on this picture. He's 6'6", 215. He's a lefty. In the card, he's got one of those, you know, 16-year-old mustaches that uh, probably drove a van with a wizard on the side of it. Let's see, though, in 1986, his last year in the big leagues was 1985. So I'm going well, to another dot ball here. 4.43 career ERA, one eleven and lost 10 over his four-year career, all of which was with the Royals. That's just a, that's a big, that's not a good one for me. No, uh, no. Next, we've got outfielder with the Cubs. Oh boy, that's going to help me at least because that's my team. Go. So I'm going to get at least half a point of war. This guy, I know more as a hitting coach, especially he was a hitting coach with the A's for a while. It's Thad Bosley. That Bosley, he played. He played for the Cubs. That's what you said. Funny, I remember him for some reason as a, a, a Ranger. He played two years with the Rangers. He played for a lot of teams, including the Mariners. He played for in 1982. Uh, let's see. In '86, he was with the Cubs. Okay, numbers: 275 average. Uh, not a lot of RBI. OPS plus of 95, and that equates to a WAR of 0.3. He is on the Cubs though, so I'm going to get a half a point of WAR, so that'll get me a 0.8 there. As I said, Thad Bosley went on to probably more recognition after his uh, career was over. He headed a group of three women that would uh, often go and do some undercover work, had some movies made about their exploits as well. Also went on to uh, form a funk group called the Ball Players, in which uh, Lenny Randall was also a member. Lenny Randall. Now maybe he met Lenny when playing for the Mariners. I'm going to guess he probably did. uh, Also a hitting coach for the Rangers at one point. All right, so I'm at 14.7. Next, we get first baseman for the Reds. It is Nick Sasky. Nick Sasson. Good ball player, good hitter. Now, I know we've had him before because I questioned why he was never nicknamed the Sasky. Nobody ever responds as to why that didn't happen. 1986, only hit 230, 12 home runs, 41 RBI, 97 OPS plus. And that is only going to get me a .3 war. Nothing else on this card is going to help me out. Okay, next I have got pitcher for the Phillies. I believe we had him recently. Uh, he does have real stirrups, so that'll help. It's Shane Raleigh. I don't know why I remember him. He pitched for a good while, didn't he? Well, I think we had him recently. He did pitch for 12 okay. years, four of which were in Seattle. He came up with the Mariners in 78. 
then uh, spent most of his career in Philadelphia. Now, the good news for me is he was an all-star one time in his career, and that one time was in 1986. Nice. Yeah, he ended up going 11-7, and seven, a 3.54 ERA, a 110 ERA+. Plus. And that equates to a war of 2.9. He's got real stirrups on, and he was an all-star. So that's going to get me a 3.5. 3.5 out of Shane Raleigh? Yeah. You know, you had, you had some pretty good names. I have not, but I'm chipping away just by being yes. consistent here. I am at 18.5. Your final score was 26.8. Ooh. Next, we have got a, a guy from the Atlanta teams. We've talked about him before. Ken Oberkfell. Oh, yes. Ken Oberkfell. One guy we used to call one of the hillbillies. I can see why looking at him. He's, he's had a, yeah. He has a healthy beard. 1982, he was a member of the St. Louis Cardinals that won the World Series that year. In 1986, though, he was with Atlanta, played mainly at third, also at second base, hit 270, 48 RBI, a 100 even OPS plus. So that's going to tell me probably about where his war was for this year. Oh, actually, you know what? 3.4 war. I was uh, not expecting that. Maybe his defense is coming into play there, but I will 100% take that. That brings me up to 21.9. He did some managing after his career was over, including a stint in the DR where he took his team to the Caribbean Championship twice in 2010 and 2012. But maybe more importantly, he became the manager of the Lincoln Salt Dogs of Lincoln, Nebraska in 2013 for a little bit. All right. Next, I am got a ranger who I have never heard of. Okay, He is a catcher. He has got a very, he looks like Babe Ruth facially. He's got a very round face with a very broad nose. It's Glenn Brummer. I have no idea who that is. Nor do I. Uh, let's see. Well, this has sure helped me. 1985 was his final year in the big leagues. In 1985, uh, I watched the World Series, but I watched not an inning of baseball that I remembered during the season. 86 was when I became a full-time baseball fan. So that might explain why I'm not as familiar with with Mr. Brummer, as I would hope to be. Yeah, I'm not seeing a whole lot about him, but uh, he was a big league catcher and good for him, you know. After graduating high school, he decided, and this is a quote, uh, that he was going to go play baseball and be a catcher because the Lakeland College team needed it. And he said, quote, it was either enroll at school or milk cows for the rest of my life. I think yeah, I would make the same choice that he did. All right, I have got uh, three cards left. I'm currently at 21.9. Your final score was 26.8. I've got a Hall of Famer, though, and I know exactly when he was inducted, 2009, and that is because okay. the same year that Ricky went in. It is outfielder for the Red Sox, Jim Rice. Oh, yeah. So you're talking, you're talking a lot of home runs, uh, a lot of hitting. This could be bad for me. Yeah, this one, uh, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm happy for this one. This one should help me quite a bit. Jim Ed in 1986, it was his final year as an all-star. He played for 16 years in the big leagues, all of which were with Boston. He hit 324, 20 home runs, 110 RBI, and a 137 OPS plus came in third in the MVP balloting. Oh, this could be bad for me. Yeah, so 1986, that ends up with a 5.6 war. I am going to get a whole point because he's a Hall of Famer. So that is a 6.6. Plus, he was an all-star. That brings me up to a 7.1. Yikes. And takes me to 29 even. Wow. 
which does not bode well for you. I'm not sure I can minus no. that much. Let's look at his 1978 year, though. He was an all-star, and he was the MVP of the American League, led the league in at-bats, played appearances, games, hits with 213, triples with 15, home runs with 46, and RBI with 139. Also led the league in OPS Plus with 157. Wow. Some pretty yeah, impressive numbers. Year. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, is very impressive. He played for 16 seasons, every last one of them with the Red Sox. Also revealed uh, during his Hall of Fame speech, and I don't remember this, that he was a was and probably still is a devoted fan of the young and the restless, <laughs> noting that he was watching the show when he uh, got the phone call to tell him he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. That's funny. All right. I got two more cards here, and uh, I'm feeling good about them. First one here is somebody we've talked about at length for the Red Sox pitcher, Dennis Oil Can Boyd. Uh, we, we we love Dennis Boyd, and, and he's got the great nickname. And, you know, what can he do? He's, he's another one that's a, a two-strike noise original kind of yeah. favorite. Loves the beer. That's what he called. That's <laughs> what they called oil cans. Uh, them oil cans. 1986. You know, Dennis Boyd was never an all-star. In 1986, he obviously went to the World Series with the Red Sox that year. 16 and 10, 3.78 ERA. Uh, had a really good year, 111 ERA plus, and that equates to a war of 3.5. He's got real stirrups on as well, so that's going to give me a 3.6 and take me to 32.6. I think this is pretty much wrapped up. I'm, I'm going to put in a position yeah. player, I think, to even pitch because this is this is now well out of reach. For you and my final player is somebody we've talked about uh, quite a few times here he is after he was traded from the cardinals to the padres for ozzy smith it's gary templeton oh sure yeah gary templeton a three-time all-star one of which was in 85 the year before so it doesn't help me a whole lot but 86 he hit 247 44 rbis 10 stolen bases and 69 ops plus so it's a good thing i've got a good lead here that is a war of minus 0.8 ouch <laughs> it's okay I, I've got plenty to spare. That takes me down to 31.8, which is better than your 26.8. Yes. Takes me on to victory. We can uh, wrap this up. Come out for handshakes. We'll get the orange slices and the uh, sunny D as we head to the dugout. All right. So that wraps up another uh, edition of Wax Packs Heroes. We'll start to wind things down here as well. If you just can't get enough of us during the week. Uh, we can be found on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise on Twitter and Instagram. That is at TWO Strike Noise. Uh, you can also find us uh, some videos on YouTube and Twitch. Just look into the show notes. There are links there. Also, Mark, if they want to get a hold of us via old fashioned email, they can do that. You want to tell them how? Sure. Our electronic mail is Two Strike Noise. Go ahead and spell it out TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com uh, we sure do appreciate when anybody reaches out to us through any of those uh, methods I guess but uh, we hope to see you here again next week really appreciate you listening this week and we will see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise thank you God bless you have a great day <laughs> <laughs>